Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. In this week's episode we're going to be speaking about the nurse. Before we do, let's check in with our co-host. How are you, Tofa? I'm doing great, thanks Jamie. It's been a it's been a fun week getting back into DBD with the Blood Hunt being active and getting all those blood points to prestige characters before the new prestige rework system comes in effect. So for me, the nurse is a very strong killer, but she's really hard to learn. So the perks that I've been using recently are Deadlock, Corrupt, Infectious, and No Way Out. And it's mainly due to the fact that I don't have many perks for her just yet, but that'll change soon. So for me, the nurse is a very good killer. She's very hard to learn, and I'm still nowhere near being as efficient as I should be. And if played correctly, it can be ultimately very rewarding. So if the nurse can keep people injured, perks like Thana and Sloppy are a very good choice because you want to try and keep people injured you want to pressure survivors and she's very good at pressuring survivors on any map she can do it very very quickly and since she can navigate the map at speeds so let's talk about her speed she basically has two decent add-ons range and recharge and they're just absolutely insane so for me blinking is extremely difficult especially if you're trying to navigate from floor to floor because all it takes is one wrong move and you'll just more than likely end up miles away from where you're supposed to be. And yeah, I've done it in the past plenty of times. It's not fun at all. But like I said, if you get the right survivors, you pretty much won't have a good time, and the game will be over before you know it. Now, I know I mentioned briefly about the add-ons, but her best add-ons definitely range and recharge. Nothing else even comes close, really. You'll very rarely now see nurses without at least a range or recharge add-on. I suppose there are some exceptions, like, for example, this Metal Spoon. It can be classed as a fifth perk. It allows you to hear injured survivors after a successful blink. Or Bad Man's Keepsake, which lets you see the auras of survivors being healed within 28 metres of you. Uh, that only lasts for 60 seconds. But overall, it's all about the range or recharge add-on. So Placid Flannel is definitely something I would avoid, because later on down the line, it's just going to hinder you. You're just going to rely on it, and when you come off it, you're just going to struggle to get back to normal blinking. Also, as well, when you blink, if you don't think you're going to hit a survivor, don't swing, because the cooldown is is just, I think it's like three seconds or something. It's pretty, pretty mental. But overall, she's a pretty strong killer, and don't underestimate a good nurse. So what are your thoughts on her? Yeah, so Nurse is definitely one of the strongest killers in the game because she just has the ability to close gaps extremely quickly in chase. Uh, When I play Nurse, I play her really safely. I don't like taking chances because when you use your second blink to take a chance and then you end up overshooting your blink or even accidentally changing floors, then you have a slightly longer fatigue cooldown. And I don't even go for an M1 if I even think there's so much as a small chance I'm not quite close enough because missing that M1 after two blinks can not only give you that long fatigue cooldown, but the missed swing as well. And that adds up to a lot of time for the survivor to make a decent amount of distance. My first blink always goes to where I last saw them. If I've lost line of sight or to as close to them as possible if they're in the open to bait out any potential dead hearts, because dead hard is the biggest weakness of any nurse against a team of really coordinated survivors. It's a very easy way to force the nurse into a lengthy fatigue cooldown and a misanimation for easy distance. I never liked the thought of playing nurse personally as she has a very high skill ceiling as Jamie mentioned, but when the tome came out with the nurse specific challenges, I felt it was a good time to get to grips with her and start practicing a week or two before that happened. Honestly, once you get used to that timing of how long to hold a blink for and how much distance it covers, it is so satisfying to like thread that needle 
and land exactly where you need to be, whether it's like a narrow corridor to finesse or you completely predict the survivor's move as to where they're going to be. Uh, the perks that I use at the moment will be Lethal Pursuer, because now that I'm a slightly better nurse personally, I can just go straight to them and initiate a chase right from the get-go. Barbecue, because I like my blood points, and on the aura reading is really good to have. Corrupt and Pop, just to have some gen defense and some gen regression. Some honorable mentions would be the old, good old Tinkerer, Undying and Ruin combo. Infectious Fright works really well with her and her slugging capabilities to be able to close gaps really quickly. And I'm All Is is a really good one to have if you're sort of learning her blinks. Because having those wall hacks on where survivors are at for the loop, if especially if that loop has like high walls, being able to see them through those walls is really handy. As far as add-ons go, basically exactly what Jamie said. The, um, the distance and the recharge ones are the best. Uh, the ones that have built-in perks in them, like the Metal Spoon to make survivors sound longer, they, they could be decent to have if you haven't got any of the distance or recharge add-ons. I prefer the um, I prefer the recharge add-ons myself because if I use the distance ones, I might get a little bit too used to them and then I've got to relearn distances all over again when I take them down and then again when I put them back on. And as far as a lot of people would say that played flannel is a good sort of training wheels um, add-on for Nurse to sort of know where you're blinking to, it is a very very difficult crutch to drop as well just as jamie said too i personally don't think it's worth using even as a learner okay so let's look at the survivor side so nurse is someone i really don't like going against and there are some very good nurse players out there and they're not fun at all most of the time you pretty much stand no chance and it's just going to put you in a bad mood but saying that the best nurse players to go against are probably the ones that are just learning because not only do, are they learning you know, you can at least stand a chance and learn with them and figure out how to go up against the nurse. And you can get into some really good chases with them as well. Uh, I would say doubling back is sometimes a good strategy. Losing line of sight is even better. And especially if you can just lose line of sight, hide around a corner when they walk through the door and you can just walk back and hopefully confuse the hell out of them. But there's always a chance that they're going to find you. It could make the chase last a little bit longer. Ideally, when going against a nurse, and if you see her blinking wildly, then there's a chance she might be, you might be able to outrun her. But you need to watch out, because if she is close and she uses a short blink, there's pretty much no stopping it. It does make it hard to deal with. My best advice would be work on Jen separately and definitely avoid pallets, because she can just blink over the pallets. It's simply just not a good thing. But making distance is another good option. Just try and get as much distance as possible and there's a chance she might just leave you alone. Blinking halfway across the map isn't in her best interest, especially if there's no gens in that area. And another thing as well, if you do bring yourself like Circle of Healing, do a gen and try and put the boon where the gen is because the chances are if you get a hit, run over to that side of the map, heal up. She's, she's not going to come over pretty much most of the time. But other than that, that's it, really. So what are your thoughts, Topher? Yeah, a lot of people just hate going against Nurse. They're, the trial will start, and people hate hearing that telltale screech the Nurse makes at the start of a trial as she blinks around, because they already think it's going to be a quick round against someone who is already really good with Nurse. But at some point, you're going to need to know how to play against them. A lot of people go on saying, yeah, I'm pretty good at looping Nurses, I do it quite often. 
But most of the time, these are nurses that are still learning the ropes with her. And in turn, you're not going to pick up anything new yourself. Everybody likes looping a mediocre or a bad nurse, but no one likes going against a nurse who can not only land all her blinks perfectly, but read out any moves before you even make them. So that's why when I go against a nurse, my first chase is always to sort of gauge just how good of a nurse they are by seeing if they play corners safe by blinking to the spot they saw me at last, or just trying to blink past that and try and blink to where I would be if I held W. After that, I'm either winning my 50-50 mind games or I'm already downed and hooked. And then in my next chase, I'm just changing up my looping patterns, like turning back to the nurse while she's mid-blink and not staying on corners anymore and actually holding W. And, you know, just keeping them guessing, keeping it more of a 50-50 mind game and hoping it all works out. So I guess in short, it's kind of a little bit different to what my co-host says. I don't think going against a uh, bad nurse will be good for anyone. You're not going to pick up any sort of straps or tactics that you could use against a really good nurse until you go against really good nurses. And there we have it. Now let's get on with the interview. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. Today we have another guest. So please, guests, first tell us who you are and who you mean. Hello, everyone. My name is Rath. I'm a variety streamer and content creator. I'm a new nurse. She's my favorite killer. Uh, I enjoy her very much and love hanging out with my community. So the nurse is someone I really enjoy playing, but I do find her very difficult. And if, especially if you're going up against a good squad. But what do you enjoy playing about this killer? She is both enjoyable and also uh, very rewarding. She gives a chance versus a good team so what i mean by this is that you know generally she's considered to be the strongest killer in the game and i would agree with this and with her mobility and her verticality she can approach nearly every map with confidence and bypassing the very poor map design of some routes so with this strength and ability to be immune to a lot of the say shortcomings of the game she gives you a real chance against almost any situation you can come across, whereas some killers you may just be at the mercy of what the uh, good team or the survivors want to do. And so going into this strength, because you have so much strength, you have so much freedom as well. Because there are like there are a ton of different playstyles that you can dominate the survivors with. You can take her like once you're good with her, you can take her in any direction at your whim, whether it's in your style or in your build and because of that, you always have a, a new adventure waiting. So you're not like stranded into playing the same build in the same way forever and ever. Like if you're say on a, a less powerful killer using some builds or being on some maps, they don't give you really any chance at all to win against one of those better teams unless they make some big mistakes. And that can be very tiring and very not fun after a certain amount of time. Whereas with the nurse, you know, you can run full hex shenanigans. You can go for like a full slug build. You can go for a full regression. Um, you can do like battle nurse. You can do um, just a, a whole host of things. She's so just interactive, like at every stage of the game. In some tile sets, like 
the survivor is always going to run them the same way against like an M1. So if they know all the patterns and how to get the absolute maximum value out of it, you're you're just going to be tortured <laughs> as they're running you around for like two minutes and there's nothing you can do about it. But the nurse, very uniquely, most other killers can't say this, but she almost like removes the, the tile system. It, it becomes less about knowing how do I run it and more about how do I run this person in both directions. And I think that's a super fun dynamic. It's like if you're, if you're that person who <laughs> hates tolerating, you know, like god tiles and pallets, that's definitely me too. And Nurse challenges that and I think a very healthy way. And yeah, I, I just love how engaging she is for both sides. You know, she's not like an anti-loop killer where you may, you may beat them through the loop, but nobody got to express their skill or have fun. You know, it's a, it's a two-sided affair and it's very rewarding to really get into it. So that's kind of in a nutshell what I enjoy about her. Well, thank you very much for coming onto the show, Ralph. It's good to have you here. Uh, let's start with your build. If you were playing to win and you wanted to be as efficient as possible, what would your go-to perk build be? And can you run us through the synergy of the perks with the killer's power? So first thing I want to say before I get into the specific build is that kind of like what I was hinting at with the other question is that there are so many like fun, creative and very strong ways to use the nurse. So while um, you, you can make three out of the four perks currently like objective bests, there are a lot of options that aren't much worse. So you, you can really go in a ton of directions and still be very strong off for them. But I do think for the sake of the question, like absolute strongest, you know, most oppressive, crazy powerful build, I think there are three non-negotiable perks, uh, which would be Corrupted Invention, Dead Man Switch, and Scourge Hook, Pain Resonance. So in recent competitive rule sets, both DMS and Resonance have been banned. Since killer perks are very rarely restricted in competitive, this is a lot about the strength of these two. They have ridiculous synergy with each other. This pain resonance forcibly activates DMS. And the synergy with Nurse is that they're both fully automatic. So you, you don't have to manage the generators at all while you're while you're chasing with these. So you you're really full to you're like fully free to just go after survivors at all times constantly ramping up the pressure and forcing them to react to your chases and your healing but it's not like the other survivors it's not like the other survivors can do something in response because they're getting knocked off the gems with dead man switch and pain resonance while you're doing all of this so they can't they can't gen rush and you're actively chasing them at all times so they can't really like you know out heal and weather the storm because there's no way to stop or get rid of these perks you know any anytime you get the scourge hook it's gonna happen and anytime you get a hook a dead man switch is gonna happen so like it, it works really well with her base mechanics because she um she will just be ruthlessly chasing the survivors and doesn't have to focus on anything else but gets insane gen suppression benefits at the exact same time like for no effort no maintenance and that's just crazy. And then Corrupt Intervention, to me, is just the best killer perk. All killers, without exception. Like, it, it really explains itself. Uh, you get immense time in the early game, which is so important for the momentum of the rest of the match. Uh, they might set up a 3-gen for you later, depending on 
spawns. You get an idea of where the survivor spawns may be for the map, and a ton of survivor time has reduced effectiveness. Like, it, it's just so good. I think any best build in, like, a very serious environment almost certainly have this perk on many killer. So I, th I think these three are mandatory right now for, like, the, um, the absolute best build. The last perk is something I'm kind of undecided on. Uh, you, you can do a lot of things. You can do lethal to make it so that I like, can't stealth out your corrupt and you're starting the chases right away. You can do sloppy so they are, they really struggle to heal and you know you can just keep the stages coming and coming and coming you can have infectious for ridiculous snowball you can have um you know, franklin's to get the toolboxes out of the way and the med kits and so on so i think the last perk you just put something in there that facilitates her ability to actively go after and identify survivors whether that's keeping them injured or just seeing where they are because with the fur with the DMS resonance combo, you have all your regression covered, and then with corrupt, you just have them suppressed in general. And you will be with your chases too. So yeah, I, th I think that's the, um, I think that will be my ideal build. Okay, you mentioned Sloppy Butcher um, as a potential fourth perk. Is that because of the hemorrhage rework? Or is it, um, is it, is it still worth using after the hemorrhage rework or not as much now? Well, didn't the hemorrhage rework make it like stronger? I thought it reduced the. I thought it was a buff. Did they like remove some aspect of it? Yeah, no, it makes them lose more healing per second, I think, now to go along with the new hemorrhage rework. I just weren't sure if um, Sloppy Butcher was mentioned because of how it, how it used to function, just to slow healing down in general, or because of its new interaction with the hemorrhage rework. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I actually haven't played with the new one, but. I think the new one is actually an even better reason to use it. I always thought it was a great perk. But the thing is, um, I actually used Franklin's for my anti-healing. Because I, I ran into so many medkit users that being able to knock the medkit was actually a better anti-heal than um, the effective sloppy itself. Now, um, with this regression thing, it's, it's kind of a big deal because they cannot um, keep they love to partial heal and that's why sometimes it feels like people heal so tremendously fast but the reality is they just did some earlier and now they're finishing it up so with like the with sloppy butcher and the new rework i think it is probably something i would use over franklin's now because even though you can knock the medkits out removing that partial healing is just so big because you can now you can like chase someone off of a heal and that actually matters like, you can chase them off the heel, not chase them afterward, and you still get big value out of that. So, I think I was already a fan of Sloppy, but if you're, like, not, if you weren't a fan before, you you should definitely try it now and see what you think, because it, it, it's, like, an underrated perk, and, and Oz has actually said a lot about its strength before, so I'm glad he's an advocate of it, because it, it is really strong, and I think with this update, it, it is just even stronger. Than it was before. So now that you've just run through your perp build, do you have any other perp builds just in case people don't have certain killers unlocked? So like for example, some of the free ones, or even just ones you can get with shards? So you can run an abundance of very, very good builds. I don't think my build is the end all be all by any means. Um 
there's entirely different play styles that are all very strong and good on the nurse. But for me, especially when it comes to nurse, I usually see like one perk or two perk synergies because the perks apply to the nurse more than they apply to each other in a lot of cases. So there's a lot of mix and match that you can do. And as a result, you can have a lot of strong built, even if you have very little. So um, to get into it, so to go over the base perk, I think you are pretty good with leveling the nurse right away because nurse is calling and thanatophobia very strong perks. But they're, they're not like the best, but thanatophobia can be used on like ideal builds. And nurse's calling is pretty strong and also helps you maintain your thanatophobia quite well. Strider can even help too, although I'm not someone who listens to game audio at all when I play, so that's not only for me. Um, you, you should avoid the Wraith and Huntress teachables uh, at all costs. Those are, <laughs> those are just no-go's. Uh, agitation from the Trapper is a nice quality of life thing, so if you are being like frustrated in the earlier learning of a nurse, it is very nice for stopping a lot of the survivor nonsense, because it just gives you a lot more freedom in where you want to take the survivor after you pick them up so if you're if you're feeling frustrated about not being able to get hooks uh agitation very nice from the trapper tinkerer from the hillbilly even if you don't have like an adequate regression perk alongside it it's still very nice on its own there's a lot you can do with it and the other base perks now base perks are amazing for the nurse actually so yeah the bitter murmur it's nice for information you can totally use that i love deer stalker because it helps you learn the slugging aspect of nurse because she she's like one of the most powerful slug killers in the game so when when you are able to blink precisely to the down survivors at will or you know just know where they are it's like no one you need to pick them up because they're spreading out or um just in general deer stalker is a really nice way to just manage your slugs and facilitates the learning of how to slug and get the most value out of it when you're playing nurse because that is a very strong thing to develop from her and it's you know at the base perks we have the base level of perks so that's very good i would avoid thrill of the hunt unless you're doing a full hex build and you know you won't have that until you're very into shards i'd avoid iron grasp as well because if you want that effect you should just be getting agitation because it's just a stronger version and then we've already endorsed sloppy butcher quite a bit so the fact that i would strongly consider it on my best build uh i think it goes to the idea that you should be you should be putting this on uh unless you have a good reason not to pretty much and again a, a base perk so you know you can just get it slap it on right away very good stuff um so yeah from the base perks alone oh and whispers is pretty good info too but in base perks alone you can make something like thanatophobia sloppy butcher nurse's calling deer stalker or like know it for the last or agitation and you you have a build that like i would use regularly even though i have a ton of perk agitation sloppy deer stalker and you know whatever last you know it's not far from my like high pressure chasing slug builds you can get this without a single teachable on another killer so that's not even like plug point investments into other killer so it's, it's very easy to get a strong nurse build that helps teach the mechanics of her um but if you 
do want to get into the shard perks because that's where, you know, most of the more creative builds and some very strong perks are. So first thing, Corrupt Intervention already talks about that, like best perk in the game uh, on every killer. So you'll just be doing yourself a service by getting that. But Infectious Fright, devastating snowball perk. You can turn around games in a second. I have won so many games off of a single survivor mistake with infectious it prevents all kinds of survivor nonsense um so it's a great anti-bully perk snowball perk information perk it, it is just a great perk i rarely drop this off of like any build for any reason hag is a great one to unlock because she has both wound and devour hope now, these are both hexes, but hexes can get incredible value without like any other hex support. And the thing is, as you unlock more hexes, you only get more options. So yeah, like Ruin, incredibly good on its own, and so is Devour. Although you do have to be careful that they don't uh, get cleansed quickly, but that's just how hexes are sometimes. So a bit of a risk reward. So the Trickster as well is someone I, uh, I advocate for because Starstruck uh, can cause some devastating scenarios, especially with a thing like Infectious. Let me tell you, if you down someone, you get three Infectious or there's a hook right there, you throw them up, that, that's going to be game because you know where they are. They're all insta-down. And once you down them, it's going to update you as to where the others are yet again. And I know that's like the ideal scenario but it's also um there are a lot of lesser value scenarios that are still really huge so starstruck is great so is no way out no way out it is my favorite end game security perk like it's so easy like all, all you have to do is just get the four stack and then you have like an entire minute or 45 seconds whatever uh and that's after they touch the game so you have all the time before they touch the gate as well. No way out just provides a huge, huge amount of value uh, and lets you win games that you have no business winning. Uh, some of these things I would really look out for are Pain Resident, uh, Dead Man's Switch, Hex Retribution, Hex Undying, Hex Haunted Ground, uh, Discordance, and Pop Goes the Weasel are all very good nurse perks for sure. And you can either buy the killer form, like Deathslinger has two of those, or you can just wait for them to come about. But I think those are very good and should be looked out for, but maybe a lesser priority. Okay, well, everyone just wants to have fun and let their hair down from time to time. And that's what Dead by Daylight is at the end of the day. It's a game. And sometimes even the most competitive players like to play for fun and sort of break the meta once in a while. Uh, do you have any builds that you like to run to just purely have fun? Um, maybe any meme builds you'd like to share? One of the great things about Nurse is that you have such a large variety of ways that you can experiment and have fun but like without sacrificing your uh viability uh as it were um for troll builds because i do i do have some uh i recommend the battle nurse and the burger king nurse if you are trying to just go go crazy you know i mean with these builds you are you're just gonna, you can have an experience, and <laughs> the opponents are gonna be very surprised too, and so is anyone watching. So, um, 
definitely the battle nurse and the Burger King and with Ozara, like in a very short description, because we'll probably get into them more later at some point. Uh, Burger King is using the Toll Bracelet and White Knit Comb add-ons, and Battle Nurse is using the Matchbox, the, I think it's the Spasmodic Breath, or both at the same time, and then use the perks to follow, but yeah, those are, those are very interesting, you know, can be a lot of fun if you're not going down more traditional Nurse uh, pathways. So this is going to depend on the perks that you use, but with any killer, you like to use the same set of add-ons. What would you say works well together? What would you recommend people use? Or what would you say is worth avoiding? When it comes to the nurse, I'd say for consistent use, you want to look at the distance and recharge add-ons. They're incredibly strong and don't change the power in a destructive way by any means. There are some other decent add-ons, but when it comes to those, you want to experiment accordingly and something you should really just avoid unless you are deliberately trying to get a very different or terrible experience. I think a good way to distinguish these is, like with add-ons for all killers, asking yourself, does this change the power in a fundamental way? If the answer is yes, do not use that add-on regularly, even if it changes the power in a very strong way, because you will not actually be learning the killer when you are doing so. For example, while Campbell's Last Breath is an add-on that changes the power since being able to hold your blink is important and it actively sabotages that ability, the torn bookmark changes it in a way that removes most of the chase interaction altogether. So while you will have a much easier time, you also won't learn. When you are throwing all add-ons for any killer, be careful of things like that. And then lastly, I want to touch on the plaid flannel add-on. The first thing to know is that this add-on is not necessary. It can be helpful, but I don't think I've used it even a single time, and you certainly do not need to. If you can get someone in a custom game watching the flannel and just blinking around to start measuring distances will probably do a lot of good if you are struggling with just coordinating the time charge with the distance or generally seeing how verticality works. Now, keep in mind, verticality will never be perfect because of bugs, but that's okay. Now, what you do not want to do is focus only on the flannel mark. If you want to use this add-on, make sure that you are focusing on the survivor and your surroundings first, with the flannel as something you are checking to confirm your distance as you go. If you focus exclusively on it, you will likely stun your growth, but more importantly, you will not learn proper chasing with the nurse, since that is dependent on the survivor's movements as much as yours. Keep it in your peripheral if you are using it to learn, and remember that it is just reminding you of distances until you know them well yourself. So when going into a match, what strategy do you use, or does it depend on the map and perks? So, I think one of the good things about Nurse is that you usually don't have to worry about the map, but um, rather the perks you bring are very important, but also the, the situation of the game at any given point in time is also super important, because the because as we discussed uh, earlier, there are really so many ways that you can play Nurse, and this can even change within a match. So, for example, I, I may just be trying to rack up hooks because the team is very altruistic, but suddenly if an opportunity comes up where all of a sudden I have two down survivors, it may be very profitable to go for a slug situation. Because while it may not have worked before, because they're very quick to pick each other up, now that I have them close together uh, and in a, a constant 
their altruism is going to be a very hard thing to achieve without just getting into an even worse situation. So I think my strategy with any match, and really my approach to the game in general, is that you always want to use your perks and use the game situation in combination to remove the most survivor options. So what I mean by this is we all know that if you remove a survivor from the game early, you focus them out, there is one less survivor, and the killer has a tremendously easier time winning the match from there, from that position. But the thing is you can you can do this without killing anyone, without even camping anyone necessarily, because when you focus on removing meaningful survivor time, like if the survivors are forced to do things that do not advance the game for any period of time, that's so good for you. And so when you're playing, um, especially with a killer that can create so many opportunities so quickly, like the nurse, you always want to look for what can I do here that will waste as much of the survivor's time as possible. You know, whether that's making it so they have to reset and go for a save, like to, they have to reset if they want to go for a save, whether that is staying in the same area where they have a lot of gen progress, if they have to fight very hard to get any more progress. Uh, your My orientation and how I feel everyone should be is that you want to make their time as meaningless as possible with what you're doing. And the more you do that, the less effective survivors there are in the game. And the less effective survivors, the less they'll get anything done. And you just focus this uh, and focus them. Like, very good to move a survivor, of course. And if they'll just have no impact on the match at all, you'll control the full thing and you'll be riding that out to a win. So it's a very broad answer, but just in the same way that her builds and her playstyle have very broad applications, uh, there are many ways that this can show up in a game. But I think the general idea, lock the survivors out of doing anything meaningful and the win will follow soon after. So, everyone has a playstyle they like to stick to and most of the time it works well for them. Do you like to change your playstyle based on how the survivors play or do you just stick to your own thing? Well, kind of like how I was getting into uh, there, I, d I do think it's very adaptive because um, to, to follow up on that gameplay philosophy, uh, how you might have to play to make that happen can change very often, even in a single match. So I'm definitely very quick to switch what I'm doing uh, based on the situation of the game. However, uh, all of that is through the lens of the build that I am using. So for example, if I using devour hope um how i would lock them out is by quickly getting stacks and then all of a sudden they're not on gents anymore they're scrambling to remove my devour and all the while i'm getting insta downs uh and they're getting nothing so in that case i want to get my three hooks very far away as soon as possible but if i'm using something like infectious uh sloppy then I want to be very slug heavy, uh, try not to pick people up at all, try to just snowball the game out of control uh, from the first second of the game, uh, never let them out of that position until they are done for. So I think it's, it's, it's based on the build you bring into the game, and then afterwards you adapt to these situations that uh, will arise. Do you have like a, an idea of what you want to do? Uh, but things may not pan out that way. And 
think it's important to recognize this strategy will not work, so let me do this instead, even if it may go against the build or idea you want to do. Because uh, nurse can nurse doesn't just have one option, she's an abundance of them. So it's important to tap into all of those and not like let yourself get boxed into one way to win the game. So with boon totems, a thing now, most people that we've spoken to don't seem to like them since they can be so overpowered with constant hex placed by the survivor. So let's start with the totem spawns. What do you think to the totem spawns? And do you think they need to be improved? Um, yes. Uh, I think totem spawns are definitely a problem. And those for one reason alone is that they're, they're too extreme. So uh, there are a decent amount of spawns that nobody complains about but for some totems the survivor spawns the game on top of them like has their panning in the loading screen they see the hex totem there's a ton of totem spawns that are right next to a generator and so they will very quickly find and cleanse these while they're just doing their natural processes some totems are up on a hill and you can see them from a mile away and then on the other extreme, you have a totem that you will need, like, uh, a search and rescue team to find. And uh, I don't think either of these things should be the case. Now, I haven't thought too much about how to fix it necessarily, but I think the balance should be the survivors do have to, or the killer for boons, they do have to go out of their way a little bit. It's like nothing right next to a generator. Uh, but you also shouldn't have these things like um i think i think it's the suffocation pit the the macmillan map of the two-story building and there's like a totem that's between two box stacks you have to like go up the stairs you have to go like the very corner of the building and it's just ridiculous so i think if totems were in a position where in most cases they don't, they don't all have to be perfect like in most cases you, you have to search for it but it's not gonna like take you three minutes to locate it if you don't already know all the spots. Uh, I think that would be the ideal totem placement situation for me. Right, so being a nurse main, you've obviously racked up a lot of hours uh, with this killer. So do you have any like best moments that you'd like to share with us in your um, nurse games? So, uh, so yeah, uh, a few instances I'll bring up, but it's, it's more like an idea. So for example, uh, there was the video where I went against Prob. Uh, there was a time on stream a few months ago where I won't be one a calm person for a few hours. Any game on stream where I'm having fun, like with the with all my friends, but the survivors are mega tryharding. So then it's like one gen or the end game, and it's like a hopelessly lost situation. But then I start tryharding too, and then I like come back and get the 4K that I had no business having before um the these things are the things that show me that like you know i'm actually kind of good at nurse because uh I, I always look at really good nurses like super alf or nightlight or you know insert person and i think like oh i'm trash compared to them i'm you know like i'm a decent nurse but pretty terrible but you know these times where i just really focus in and i'm like all right let me get this win like every time that happens uh i just really perform and it kind of reminds me like sure i'm not the 
like the number one nurse, but you know, like I, I'm actually a, a force to be reckoned with when I really want to be. And so kind of reminding myself of that when I like really turned it off is just a, it's just a really good feeling. So I'd say any moment where I can kind of like show what I can do in a meaningful setting uh, are the highlights for me. So now that you've mastered nurse, what advice would you give to new players or even your past self? Well, I don't think I've mastered nurse. Uh, and I'm not really sure that anyone outside of like maybe three or four nurses truly have. So I think the takeaway from that is that no matter how much experience you have in the game, there's always something to learn, whether it's about your killer, whether it's about the interactions you have with the survivors, um, any of those things. It's a constant learning process. And this is especially true for nurse. Nurse, it takes a lot of time investment. Uh, you will get beat up a lot. You will get bullied. You'll get the GG easies. You'll get the clicks. You'll get all of it. When I was like a 100 or two hour, 200 hour player, uh, every game I played, I was like, I should just quit nurse. I'm never going <laughs> to be able to do anything good with this killer. And I had already sunk a lot of time into her. This was still happening to me. Um, but as you get more experience with DB, uh, one of the big things you realize is that it's a game of experience. And so it's not about being the best right away. And it's not like you need to have insane mechanics to be great either. It's about going into every match with an open mind and looking to learn in all things you do. And not being discouraged because you just don't have the knowledge yet that the other players have because you will get it if you stick to it and this is true for the nurse just as true as it is for any other killer but it, it's a rough road and you you have to have humility to say you know it's gonna take me a long time and i will not see this payoff right away but if i could talk to myself back then i would say here you're right you won't right now and it'll be awful right now but the opportunities that will come because of this suffering right here will make it more than worth it in the end. So with all the jungle gyms and the LT walls and the long walls and the killer shack, um, do you have a favorite tile that you like to play? Okay, so I kind of have two answers to this. Uh, <laughs> first one's a little unfair because uh, I the, the short wall loops, like the auto haven cars, like with the pallet between them, are like my guilty pleasure because the survivor cannot remove line of sight so they have like no uh, realistic counterplay outside of finessing you in the uh, in the movement. So those are like very those are very fun for me, but probably probably not so much for them. So I think like the most challenging thing that's still fair because you know there's like RPD and Larry's where you just have to guess most of the blanks is the nurse, and that's not really fun at all. It's like the survivor version of the Auto Haven cars. Um, I would say it's the Paladin. So, like, you have you have a vault. You have some corners that you can like kind of crouch into to evade a blank hit. Blank hit narrowly. Sometimes you got a locker that you can tech with. You got a pallet you can play around. But it, it's like the because Sha Shack is too one dimensional. Whereas the Paladin has like multiple layers that you can run between. But it's also not like an LT where the survivor can't really like hide from you at all because with with all tiles you, you don't really play the tile you like use the tile to buy time as you're running to the next tile 
because the real nurse counterplay is always making distance against her. And so for me, the palette gym uh, is the perfect balance of interaction between the killer and survivor uh, when it comes to the nurse, because the survivor has a lot of tools they, they can use to not get caught at the tile and make it to the next one. And uh, the nurse also has a lot of say in uh, in them before they get away from it. All right, so MMO has been a thing in the game for a while now as well. Have you noticed a significant change in your game since that started? Okay, so um, I have to say yes, but it's not because of nerves. It's actually because of other killers. So this is this is one of the main reasons I really don't like the MMR system right now. Is that you you have like a global MMR that is pretty relative to like your high killers MMR. So like for example, when I when I play a huntress. I would be playing with people that are like almost at my nurse MMR. And because I'm pretty terrible at Huntress, you know, I only have a few games on Huntress, uh, I just get, I just get like two hooks and I barely even get to play the killer. But on, on nurse, it's fine because she's, you know, my main and she's very strong so she can overcome strong teams if I do go against them. But I think, I think MMR is fine for your mains maybe and i may just be saying that because it's nurse and she's you know really strong so maybe other killers have a very different opinion but i i still very much don't like mmr because i think my games before mmr were fine too a lot of them were pretty challenging any other killer i want to play like suffers a lot as a result like say um say i'm a say i was a huntress main instead and i want to learn nurse who it's so hard to learn, and I'm going against the higher MMR players, I'm just gonna get stomped even more than I was, and I don't get any meaningful experience. So, I would say because of that, I do notice MMR, and I don't like how it is right now. Maybe, maybe make it apply to a specific killer only, instead of like a profile MMR. I think that would be a great start for what to do about it. Everyone knows the nurse has two blinks by default, but how do you know when to use one or both of you blink? So this is a great question. So while you want to be almost constantly blinking, you also don't want to be blinking senselessly. A lot of nurses go for overambitious predictions. They don't get as much information as they can before they commit to their blinks, whether it's the first or second one, and in general are just too hasty with too little information. Uh, so you need to supplement the knowledge of where your blinks will go with the information you get in the match. So with the first blink, you want to close distance, uh, whether it's traveling across the map, whether it's in shape. The goal with the first blink is to get you close to the survivor, establish line of sight if they've removed it, and preparing you for your second blink. The first one, preparation. You are getting into a close range so that your second blink can comfortably hit the survivor. So your first one should not be focused on landing right on top of them necessarily, but making it so that the survivor has the least options of counterplay for your second blink. In the second blink, you will want to uh, use to confirm the hits that you have set up with blink one. So like the really the only time I would use the second blink for distance is if you're trying to stop something from happening, so like a nearly completed generator, you think someone's on a totem, for example, 
or if the survivor is pretty far away and you need to get line of sight again. Otherwise, they might be able to just like hide completely from you. Outside of these situations, you just want to use the first one. You want to reach. You want to let it recharge because if you use both, it'll take more time to get your charges back and to recover from fatigue. So yeah, first blink distance, and then once it gets you in distance to hit the survivor, and you're confident you can get that hit, you use the second one to confirm that. It's the general idea. Okay, Dead Hard has been meta now for quite some time, so when you get the precise blink to a survivor, whether it be your first or second blink, do you swing at the survivor there and then, or do you wait out the Dead Hard in your first chase with that survivor whilst they're injured to see if they have it or not? That's a good question. For me, I just generally don't respect it because here's the thing if someone knows what they're doing with dh you will have to eat it no matter what like it doesn't matter if you wait most of the time you're not going to bait it out of them so i just lean towards the assumption that they're more they're a more experienced and that b they do have it because if you if you don't swing and they do have it then you have at least one more cycle that you have to use to get the dh out and then you have to actually go for the down so my advice is just always swing because if you always swing then they will have to use it if they do have it and you, you get a bit more fatigue sure but the amount of time you can lose by uh, respecting it too much is like way worse than just getting it knocked out right there and there having played nurse myself i found it rather difficult when traversing floors i.e upstairs and down so how do you learn to go from one floor to another so if you want to change floors with nurse uh, you have to be very deliberate with how far up or far down you're aiming because you maybe stay right where you are or not where you want to go at all if you're not charging it enough and also looking up or down enough. The main way to gain this experience is just from playing. We can also go into a practice match with the plaid flannel and blink around on a two-story map. You want to pay attention to how much charge it takes and how much you have to angle it to change your blink, to change your floors with the blink. And you will never have full control of this because it's like one of her kind of bugged things. And you will see that if you experiment with the flannel, you'll see it like kind of flicker around wildly in some cases. And we just got to deal with that. But I think that'll be a great way to practice and in general, just like try as you're playing too, because it's, it's something that kind of comes naturally. I haven't uh, ever really worried about it in specific, and I've been alright. So now that we've just talked about changing floors, how would you avoid changing floors when blinking? Okay, so again, something that you have to accept and like not be too hard on yourself about is that you <laughs> you will just go up and down sometimes, and sometimes just be that way, but it's okay. As for you can't control though, where you hold your blink is very important. So, for example, if I'm on the second floor of the game, if if you always angle your blink upward, you go straight where you're wanting on the second floor. But if you look straight or you look a little bit down, because straight often does mean a little bit down, all of a sudden you are very vulnerable to going down a story. It's the same thing like if you're trying to avoid blinking into the basement in Shacker Main building, you, you always want to be angling yourself upward when you're not trying to go down because it's very easy to look just a little bit too far down and the second you do that, Tubity's like, oh boy, you, you wanted to go to the basement like two stories below you, didn't you? Uh, well, that's very much not the case. Now, 
the scenario you presented is actually a lot easier. So when there's nothing below you to worry about, you you kind of just focus on looking straight and looking below you because you it's way easier to blink downward on accident than it is to blink upward on accident. So just make sure you're like kind of looking straight forward when you blink and then you should be taken up. But when you are on a higher story, be very careful to look up enough because that is a far more common accidental floor change and it's something i even forget to do sometimes so when you're losing line of sight to the survivor while you're in chase do you predict where the survivor will be or do you play it safe and blink to where they were last seen so in in a similar way to the game winning philosophy like how i approach winning a game so you know remove survivor effectiveness remove the effectiveness of their options and remove their options altogether the same thing really applies to blinks so when you lose line of sight of a survivor i think the more important question is do you need to establish line of sight again or do you know the area that they're in and can you blink to a better place to close the gap than that so like for example if someone hides behind a wall i don't have to blink to the last place i saw them to know where they generally are but if i instead focus my position blink to a place that cuts off their the places they can run to without running straight into me all of a sudden they're counterplay like rapidly evaporates so the, there's a huge element of zoning with the nurse you want to like corral them into a situation where they don't have a place that they can run away to and as soon as you do that your first and second blinks will very quickly down them so i think the way to play it safe is to not like to see them as a person you have to relentlessly pursue per se but see see their movement as like a, a circle a, a radius around them. and as soon as you start thinking like this you can blink in ways that makes their circle useless and once their circle their options of movement are kind of irrelevant in getting away from you then it doesn't matter if they rounded the corner because <laughs> they're still going to be downed in the next series of blinks anyway so it's like a very different way to think about chases but because you don't have to because the tile system doesn't work the same way with her i think that's the best way to describe it and also the best way to approach it you know not a linear chase but a chase of area where you reduce theirs with your blink position and then quickly finish them off afterwards so for anybody that doesn't know the nurse was disabled for a while and has come back with some major bug fixes now that you've had time to test her out how do you think she feels and do you think she needs any more changes well i think she'll always need some changes but i think that's just because like dead by daylight is a flawed game you know there's a lot of bugs there's always going to be new bugs and yeah she, she just has a lot of bugs in general so i don't think those will change but what i will say is that the the fix they did was amazing the the blink bug is basically gone and that was the most debilitating bug by, by a significant margin and there was no way to uh, stop it from happening it basically like happened at random and it can make you lose a one game like in an instant uh it was a really frustrating bug and 
since they patched it, I, I've not experienced it uh, even a single time. So they, they did a really great job. And um, if someone quit her because of the blank book, you should come back because she will have some of the same uh, other problems. But those are very minor in comparison. It was the most debilitating bug, and uh, they knocked it out of the park with that patch. So very happy. Thank you very much for doing the interview. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming by, Rath. It's been great. It's been lovely to have you. Yeah, it's, been, it's been lovely to be here as well. Uh, I tremendously uh, appreciate the opportunity and to be able to talk to you about this. It's been a privilege. And there we have it. Another great interview. I'd like to thank Rath for the interview. And if you've listened till the end, we'd like to thank you. And if you want to hear more interviews like this, then why not subscribe? If you're on Apple Podcasts, why not give us a review? Or if you're on Spotify, leave us a rating. Definitely helps. This was recorded on patch 5.7.2. I'd like to thank Rath for the interview. And I'd like to thank myself and Tofa for being a part of the intro and the interview. Any links will be in the description of the podcast. And we look forward to you here in the next one. <laughs>